Welcome into episode 43 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lesser Mitchell here with you tonight. The day after Alabama squeaks by Florida in the swamp, 31 to 29 down there in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, the swamp, you know, I was fortunate enough to, able to, to be able to go to the game. Um, crazy atmosphere, 90,000 strong, a lot of blue, a lot of orange. Alabama had a chance to quiet the crowd early, could not put them away, played two bad quarters of football, followed it up with the last quarter, some nice offense, but, you know, the crowd stayed in the whole game, hostile environment. Alabama was able to get the win. Didn't look all that great. Lester, just quick initial thoughts on the game Saturday. Initial thoughts is – Oh, yeah. Where, where's the fire at on this team? Mm. I don't know. There, there, there's – you know, and, 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 and Saban started this. This is on him. We normally – we don't record on Sunday nights. This is not what we do, but I think each and every single one of us is – Pissed and has been pissed probably since the beginning of the second quarter or halfway through the second quarter on Saturday. Um, the greatness should be demanded out of this team. And what 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 Saturday was was unacceptable. And it was just ugly. It is downright not what you would expect from the Alabama coach uh, football team. Um, I don't really care who they were playing. I don't really care on the road. Um, Florida did a lot of things that – Bama just shot themselves in the foot. The offensive line is a freaking problem, and it sucks. It's bad. You can deal with shitty wide receivers or, you know, you know, average quarterback play, but when your offensive line can't get a push and can't put somebody's dick in the dirt, it's bad. It's really bad, and it's frustrating, and it's, it's, it's something to look forward to for the rest of the season because I don't see this, this offensive line getting – that much, so much better to be dominant at the end of the season. If they do, it's a miracle. God bless Doug Marone, but I just don't see it, and I have no faith in them at all right now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it's all you hear about all summer is this staple of running backs that Alabama has, you know, B-Rob, Jace, Roydell Williams, Kamar Wheaton, uh, Trey Sanders. It's just there's a boatload of running backs that Alabama's gotten. Every one of them could start at any other school in the country and all this jazz, but if you don't have five in front that can block consistently – and get a push up front, and if you don't have a run scheme that helps your running backs out, then your running backs aren't going to be effective. I don't care if they're Der- Derrick Henry back there. You can't make your own hole. And uh, and if you don't, you know, some guys can get through a smaller hole better than others, and I understand that. And I think Alabama running backs can do that most of the time. But, uh, you know, if you got if you got a five up front, they can't get a, a consistent, steady push in this power run game that Bill O'Brien's trying to run, we'll talk about we'll talk some more about that in a minute. Um, then you're not, it doesn't matter how good your running backs are, you're not gonna have any success on the ground, then you become one-dimensional. J Law, what are your initial thoughts in this game in the swamp Saturday? Uh good road win. I, I hate I mean you could be we could be mad, upset, all we want to be. It's a road win. Saban has what 35 straight against the SEC East. A lot of those are Georgia, a lot of those are Florida. Um, a lot of those are really good teams from the SEC East, but I think at the end of the day, Alabama fans, like Lester just mentioned, you know, you could say that they're not happy about a win like that. I don't think anybody's unhappy about the win, but as as fans, when our head coach for 15 years now has told us about excellence, perfection, dominating, finishing, putting somebody away, you can't be mad at the fans for expecting that when you have a 21 to three lead at the end of the first quarter and somehow. Your offense, who, yes, I get it. They lost five, six guys to the NFL draft last year. But you got 21 points in, in about 12 and a half, 13 minutes. You find a way to only score 10 down the final 45. 
something's got to change a little bit for this Alabama offensive line. I thought they put it together a little bit in the fourth quarter. I thought um, Lester's asking, where's the fire? I think Bryce Young has. I think Bryce Young shows you that although that he's got a lot of people in his way on offense, including Chris Owens, um, including 55, who's got about feels like 100 starts under his belt at Alabama. He's got uh, a center who can't block anybody. And Bryce Young backed up in a third and five plus five times on one drive in the fourth quarter, marches his team down the field, scores a touchdown, um, and is able to do it again on a drive to kick a field goal that ends up being the game winner. So I think Bryce Young has the fire. It's time for the offense to help him out. And um, I thought Bill O'Brien kind of left the defense out to dry too. We got pushed around a little bit, don't get me wrong, but when you're up 21-3, to and you have three straight chances to score one more touchdown to completely end the ball game. And Pete Golding did. He got three more stops after that, and the offense couldn't help him out at all. It's kind of disappointing to, to uh, watch the offense go from just ultra-aggressive um, to just bottling it up, to feeling like we got it in the bag, going conservative, and then it almost cost us the ball game. I, 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 that was a little questionable to me, but here we are on a Sunday night. Alabama gets the win. A lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, and and it's, it goes the other way too. I don't think the defense helped the offense out. I mean, I texted you guys. It was back to back drives where the offense had the ball for longer than four minutes. The defense is over there, been off their feet for a long time. They're watered up. They're ready to go. Um, they're trying to make adjustments, and then offense put together uh, some really long drives as far as time of possession goes. And I texted Joe at least twice that I remember. It might have been three times. I'll have to go back and look. Um, JK, I'm not going back to look because there's like a thousand texts from during the game. So I don't have time to go through all that shit. But uh, I mean, I texted you guys, remember, and I said, I said, hey, offense did their job. They gave their defense rest. We need to stop. You know, it's your turn to make a play. Offense, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have a good quarter and a half. You know, the second quarter, they were shut out or whatever it was. I can't remember. I mean, they only scored 10 points the whole game after the first. I understand that. But, um, you know, they, they, it was those two drives, the two drives where they scored the field goal and the touchdown. I was like, look, I said, those are long drives. Defense has had time to get rest. It's time to go make a stop. And they just couldn't do it. They couldn't get off the field. So as much as Bill O'Brien didn't help the defense out, um, Pete Golding didn't help the offense out either. Uh, so it, it went both ways, just an ugly performance for from Alabama on Saturday. Um, but Lester, let, let's, let's start – offensively because I think that's you know that's that's where everybody goes to I, I don't I personally think the defense is um a bigger I think I'm more disappointed in the defense than the offense because like J-Law said I mean you got to replace Devonta Smith Najee um Jalen Waddle Mac Jones Alex Leatherwood Landon Dickerson I mean you got to replace some hella dudes uh, on on that offense and so I don't think anybody expected us to come out and average 48 points a game. If you do, you're just an unrealistic fan. Um, but I think defensively, you know, we talked about preseason, this being on paper, Nick Saban's probably a better defense in 2016. You know, as far as spread defenses go, defenses that are made to stop the spread, athletic linebackers that can play in space, um, defensive linemen that can stop the run, outside linebackers that can get their hand in the dirt and stop the run and rush the passer. And I know Chris Allen isn't there, um, but you know, secondary, they can cover man to man, you know, they can come up and help in the run safeties that are flying all over the field. This on paper was one of the better defenses that Nick Saban has had in order to stop in the spread. And that spread just whooped their ass and ran for 250 yards on them. 
Um, but Lester, let's start offensively. Um, we talked about the offensive line, Ikior and uh, Javion Cohen, not their best game. Chris Owens, not a good game. Uh, even 71, basically everybody but Evan Neal. And I don't think Evan Neal played perfect uh, by any means. But, um, you know, as far as, as the run scheme goes, you know I'm big on this, Lester. And I want to get your opinion on it because you know I'm going to get my opinion after you. The run scheme that Bill O'Brien has at times, well, actually, I mean, all the time, it, it seems like it's an NFL run scheme. And that's good for the NFL, right? I'm going to go a, a six-man front. I'm going to go five offensive linemen, one, maybe two tight ends if I feel like it. And I'm, tr- I'm going to try to get three, three and a half yards on you because in the NFL, that's a good play, right? Um, in the college, it's not. It's really not. You got to get on the edge. You got to run the quarterback. You got to, you know, run with motion. You got to run jets. You got to run counters, all this stuff. See, I mean, tell me what you think about this run scheme that you saw on Saturday from Bill O'Brien and tell me if you think that this is something that helps this offensive line or hurts it. Yeah, it's, it, it seems very basic, very, I'm not going to say predictable. Vanilla. But it's just, it's just, yeah, it's vanilla. It's nothing yeah. special. Um, did we pull a guard? Did we pull a tackle? Did you we did. do anything? Yeah, I mean, he did, but he got his ass blown up because exactly. I mean, they they played terrible. There's still no push. Why you, the hell are you guard, pulling guards when they when when they're not when they're not good? <laughs> right. You if you you can't pull a guard, you can't pull a tackle if you can't get push from the play side. It's not going to work because next thing you're going to have those, you're going to have the play side guard running into the pulling guard, and it's just a clusterfuck. So it, it I. I don't know. It's bad. And when you can't establish a run, it just screws up everything else. But on the flip side, everybody says you have to – the game's changed. You you pass to set up the run, right? Right. Well, the passing game kind of sucked too. Where is the deep threat? Uh, you know, we were texting earlier and you said – you know, and I thought about this earlier. Why don't we just run for a vert and tell Bryce just throw it out the back of the end zone? Do something to get six, seven, eight out of the freaking box. Why? Why are there so many people in the box anyway? Or why? As he brings them there with his open. It's it's I, he's in the box because you've got a tight end in the box and the lots who are Billingsley. And a lot of times you saw a lot of receiver motions that came inside the box and drew another guy in the box. And that's why it's an NFL run scheme. And that's why I'm so upset with it. Right. Right. And and you can play off that. But do something different. You can run four tight ends on the field at the same time if you want to. But best believe two or three of them better be running their butts 30 yards downfield. You know what I mean? Get guys away. Create One way we can help the offense line out is create space. Like you've been saying, go four wide with one tight end. Spread him out. Who cares? But you've got to create space. This offense line, that they're, they're not great. They're they're not going to get to that second level to get on the backer just yet. Hopefully they will They'll develop that at some point in the season. But the play calling has to help the players out at some point. But at the same time, the best players in the country should execute. So, Well, I mean, yeah, you got – I understand we have the most talent in the country, and I, and I understand that. But at the same time, man, I mean, this is football. You see less talented teams beat more talented teams all the time. But and I know at Alabama it doesn't happen that often, uh, but it does happen. And but I mean Florida, they're 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 ranked number eleven for a reason. Um, but as far as the run scheme goes, I just got tired of seeing these in between the tackle runs. I, I think that you've got to, especially 
it really bothers me that I'm sitting up there because, like I said, I went to the game. I'm 89 rows up, and I can text y'all and I can say, why are we not trying to push the ball to the edge? Your interior offensive line is struggling. They can't get a push up front. Why in the hell do you continue to try to pound the ball in between the tackles when your interior offensive line is struggling? I just don't understand that. That makes no sense to me. And if I can see it, 89 rows up, and I've been, you know, I and I've been in the heat all day. I've been enjoying the campus all day. And I mean, I haven't done any preparation I, for, for this game as far as film study goes. And I can see that in the middle of the game, and I'm texting you guys about it. Why can't Bill O'Brien see it from the booth? Why can't anybody else say, hey, coach, you might want to test the edge. Just, just try it. It might spread some guys out. It's just the same as taking a deep shot downfield, even if you incomplete it. If you were close, a defensive coordinator is not going to run the same scheme if you take a shot every once in a while as he would when you keep throwing the damn slants and the stupid-ass comeback routes that Alabama threw on Saturday. If you throw that bitch 60 yards downfield, they're going to back up, I promise you, especially with a quarterback like Bryce Young because you know he can hit it. You just saw a 94-yard bomb he threw against Miami not three weeks ago, and so it's on film. Teams see that. And if he throws that bitch 55 yards, even if it's incomplete, you got a shot of getting pass interference. College referees love to throw that pass interference flag. I mean, it doesn't matter if the D, if the DB doesn't turn and look for the ball and the ball is anywhere any within 10 yards of the receiver and the receiver just throws his arms over. If there's any kind of contact and that DB is not looking for the ball, hell, even if he is looking for the ball sometimes, if his feet get tangled up with you, they'll throw a flag. They love throwing that pass interference flag and that targeting flag. That's the two flags they love to throw more than anything else in college football. And so whenever you've got this this little – I mean, it's not even an RPO. It's just a slant or a comeback or whatever. It worked the first three drives. And then Florida really tightened up the screws on their defense. And Bill O'Brien just refused to to throw the ball downfield. I think he tried one time to Mechie. He went through both of Mechie's hands. That ball should have been caught. Bryce is on the run when he threw that. Um, but that was kind of a, a breakdown play. I mean, Bryce was scrambling towards the line of scrimmage and he threw it, I guess it was about a 40 yard pass. I can't remember exactly how far it was, but, um, you know, there, there was too many things, uh, and, and I get, I understand you're on the road in a hostile environment and it's not easy to communicate and it's not, you, it's, it's harder to say, or it's, it's easier said than done. Like, Hey, I just throw it deep. I get it. Cause I mean, if you waste it down, I know it's harder to get a call down there, but as far as the run game goes, man, and this is probably my biggest rant until we start in on Slade Bolden's ass and here in a couple of minutes. Um, I think my biggest thing is the run game because I love running the football. I love last year. Whenever we got control of the game, we just, we just shut it down. Just run, just broke people's wheels, just broke their spirits by just pounding them on every single play up front in the trenches. And, um, and the fact that we continued to run the ball in the trenches, the power run out of the tight formations, the bunch sets, pistol, whatever. Dude, when you're struggling on the interior offensive line, you cannot do that. I don't if you're if your center and two guards are getting beat, you cannot run the ball in between the tackles. And it really bothers me that we didn't even try to run a spread a stretch play or a toss maybe a quarterback run, a quarterback read, so the offensive line has to block less people. I mean, anything, try anything to get the ball out on the edge. Alabama did none of it, and that really bothered me. Um, J-Law, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, You can talk. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball first. 
Um, you know, run scheme, offensive line, receivers, whatever you want to talk about. What bothered you the most about Alabama's offense or, you know, lack thereof in quarters two and three? The first three drives, three touchdowns. Yeah. I thought the offensive line gave up some pressure. But after that, man, just watch the three drives after that where Alabama can't do anything. You have a kind of a bogus um, intentional grounding call, but man, Florida starts getting pressure with three and four. You're seeing mess. You're seeing guys double team a guy when you have a free blitzer coming in to hit the quarterback. I I, I think they got conservative. I think they thought that they could sit on that lead for the rest of the game. Bill O'Brien thought his defense was better than it was, and it looked like Pete Golding thought that his offense was better. Um, than it actually was. I wasn't too ticked off about the the run scheme necessarily. I think I'm I, I do think that you got to try to stretch it outside and use Evan Neal. You just cannot continue to run behind Emil Ecky or Darian Dalcourt and think it's gonna be okay. I mean it's the, if you're running the same thing and it doesn't work, it's trying it's time to change it up. But eventually you gotta have some guys up front that that can get a hat on a half, five on five, and let your running back have a crease and make a play. But Teams don't respect their offensive line. They will bring six, and they will bring six because they don't respect our receivers as well. I don't really want to give any credits to Slade Bolden. I know we were talking about it before we came on. We'll talk about Slade. Um, it's time for him. Not He doesn't have to go. He's a valuable part of the team, I'm sure, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But there's four freshman receivers that are better than him that aren't going to drop a TD in the end zone that have a burst, that have a, the ability to make a play when it's not there, to hit a crease, make a big play, a game-changing play. And there's no respect for any any of our receivers, including John Mechie outside of Jameis Williams. We have one threat on the whole team to throw the ball to right now. And then when you don't have an offensive line that you can trust, it's it's literally three wide. One of them is Slade Bolden. They're going to double-team Jameis Williams. John Mechie is good for two drops every game, and your running back has to block with Latouf. Um, it's kind of a catch-22 because you can't block. You have to have extra guys in so you can't run deep routes. So um, something's got to change, and it starts up front. If Alabama can rely on five offensive linemen to not get Bryce hit, they're going to be able to run routes down the field. Now, I thought in the second quarter, Bryce had, Bryce got hit multiple times on those first three touchdown drives as well. He took some shots, and he delivered some throws. I thought he started uh, hearing footsteps early. I thought he kind of moved out of the pocket. Um, I love re-watching the game because you can see on plays like third and seven, we're not running anybody past the sticks. They're all comeback routes, two-yard shot. We got blown up on a couple of those. I just thought we got super conservative. We thought we could sit on a lead. We thought we – and it, it worked. Don't, don't get me wrong. Bill O'Brien's probably thinking 31's going to win this. And 31 did, but it was too damn close uh, for my life. Let's talk about Slade. I, I got to – oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Lester. Uh, yeah, you got to so, I on that what was it that fourth and what two on the goal line? Yeah, and we had the penalty. So shout out to our our homie uh, Young Kobe Watts. He said he told me well, he's not a rapper. Again, he said no, he's not a rapper. He's just a homie from college. Yeah, young Kobe. He he, he Kobe. told me he told me, and I I think he brought up a good point, and I think he would agree with us about the offensive line of the offensive issues. But he said that that, that penalty probably saved the game for us. Because do you have – at that point, do you have faith in the offense to get two yards? We were not – we were not I scoring. mean, seriously. No chance. 
We you know, that that's the thing. We weren't scoring. We we it was going to be a failed attempt, and I was pissed at watching that because I'm like, Saban, why are you going aggressive now? Bill O'Brien, he just he just sits in the box, kind of has his glasses pulled down over his nose. Dude, Bryce Young is not a professional. He is not a professional football player. Bill O'Brien needs to be on the sideline whispering to his quarterback instead of Holman Wiggins, who I'm sure is a great coach, great guy, but that ain't the dude in the quarterback meetings. All right, Bill O'Brien's got to get down on the field. Facts. First-year quarterback in, you know, a new offensive system, you got to be on the line. I mean, you got to be on the field where you can grab that guy, look him in the eye, and you guys can talk about what's going on. Got to. There's, there's, he's got to get down on the field. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, nobody can tackle. Linebackers can't tackle. Secondary can't tackle. Um, you know, you you give up 250 yards rushing. Interior D-line can't make plays. They can't get off blocks in the interior. Um, Will Anderson, not a factor in the run game. Uh, made maybe two or three tackles in the run game. Um, didn't get anything on a pass rush. Uh, we brought four a lot of times because we thought that 31 could get there. Uh, he could not. Um, he got doubled a lot of times, which leaves, um, you know, three on three with the other guys. And they couldn't they couldn't get off a block. Drew Sanders couldn't, you know, he didn't have a good day rushing the passer. Um, you know, so, so Jail, I'll just talk about on the defensive side of the ball. What worked you the most over there? Man, you're talking about you have Florida backed up into a third and 10 plus, a third and 19 at one point, and you allow conversions. I mean, it's third and 10 from the one. DeMarco Hellums needs to come up and just make a tackle. Instead, he jumps for what he thinks is going to be an interception. That is a perfect throw to the receiver. And the guy picks up 25 yards. So, uh, I would rather see Brian Branch, especially going to this game, because Branch has been in the lineup the first two weeks of the year while Hellums has been a sparing with playing because he's been hurt. Uh, and I think Brian Branch has earned the right because he's made a lot of plays, made plays last year. Has made some plays this year, but um, lack of tackling. I thought we went conservative on defense. I thought that we, the defense in the second quarter, allowed Florida to get back in this game, not because that they were getting outdone. They didn't send any pressure. They, like you said, they thought that they could get it with Will Anderson. They thought they could get it with Drew Sanders, but it's four on five. And if you could double Will Anderson, if the NFL guys do it all the time, you want to double Aaron Donald, you'll take him out of the game. Somebody else has to be able to go get pressure. And they weren't prepared for the quarterback run. If the quarterback rushes for 75-plus, you are going to give up 200 yards on the ground because it's 11-on-11 football. So when Emory Jones' legs started taking off, um, you kind of knew that the, the uh, rushing stats for Florida were going to sneak up there. They didn't – I mean, they, their leading rusher had 86 yards. Man, you hold their top two backs to around 150. The quarterback run game just absolutely killed Alabama, pushing it over the 200-yard mark making it where Alabama's defense can't get off the field. They weren't prepared to stop the speed option. Drew Sanders and a boy be running into each other multiple times. They couldn't decide who had the quarterback, who had the pitch man. All right, listen, this was a complete disaster. Two or three years ago, Alabama loses this game 100% of the time. We've seen it time in and time out. This year, they were good enough to win this game in the swamp because I think if this is 2010 with that roster that everybody thought was one of the best that we'd ever had, they would have lost this game. Maybe I think they lose this game definitely with when Jalen was a sophomore. They lose this game when Tua had to take over. Allen found a way to win. Let's not lose that um, in the midst of uh, 
what could have been a, a 52 to 20 type. And why do we have an end and a linebacker going to the same freaking player? Why are both of y'all going to the quarterback? You know what he's going to do? Pitch it to the running back, wide open. Literally, what that's what it's designed to do. To mind, just to screw with the defense, get guys in space. How are you? How are they not prepared for that? Dan Mullen is the head coach of the Florida Gators. You know who that guy is? The guy who was behind the Tim Tebow offenses, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who was, you know, had that Prescott ran that same crap at Mississippi State. I mean, if, if I'm wrong, let me know. But why are we not prepared for the option? I don't what Dan, why? Why? It's simple stuff. This is simple. High schools run that crap for a reason. Why couldn't Bama defend it? Why 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 we got two guys going for the same player? Is it is it time for us? Is it time for us to ask, you know, does Dan Mullen's offense just kind of have Nick Saban's defense a little bit? I mean, this is three straight games against Dan Mullen dating back to his time at Mississippi State where Alabama and it's a, it's a one it's the last drive of the game with a with a team with a football with a chance to win. Go back to the slant route to Devontae that Alabama wins that game on. Go back to the SEC title game last year. Go back to this game yesterday. I mean, Dan Mullen has had Nick Saban's defense's number the last three times these guys have played. And it doesn't seem like they've been able to figure it out, whether it's been Nick, Nick Fitzgerald, Kyle Trask, or a guy who everybody thought was going to be benched in Emory Jones. Everybody expected to see Anthony Richardson at yeah. some point in this game. Florida fans are flicking off the camera because they think <laughs> he sucks so bad. And and you let that guy almost mount a comeback? <laughs> ah, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe Dan Mullen's better than we give him credit for. Um, his offense showed it. Yeah, and he is. And you know, like like you said, he he's done that with three different types of quarterbacks. You know, Nick Fitzgerald's more of your bruiser runner, uh, not a great thrower. Um, you know, Kyle Trask is a sitting duck, a pocket passer. Um, you know, get it out to the guys in space, throw the ball downfield with accuracy, and then Emory Jones is a guy who. You know, is is more of a speedster back there, and basically like another another scat back in the backfield, and uh, and, and so yeah, props to Dan Mullen. He's a, he does a great job. I mean, granted, he, you know he he has to treat this game like a national championship because this was Florida's national championship. You know, and, and I don't, you know, you'll Georgia will beat these guys by twenty points, um, and you'll hear a lot of people saying that that Georgia's better than Alabama. You know, that might be right now. I don't think they're going to be in December, whenever they meet in the SEC championship, if, if that happens, you got to watch out for Ole Miss. We'll talk about that um, either here in a little bit or in a couple of weeks whenever Alabama plays them. Um, but, you know, this was Florida's natty. They, they don't they don't care about beating Georgia. You care about beating Alabama. What's, what's beating Georgia going to get you? It's not going to get you anything. Uh, you know, it's just beating Alabama. Alabama's the king. Even, even if, you know, no matter what Georgia does right now, no matter how good they look, Alabama is still king. And, uh, and yeah, so, so I mean, after all this happens, Lester, if I, if I was to tell you on Friday or Saturday morning, if I was to tell you Saturday morning that, look, Alabama's going to have receivers that can't get separation. They're going to have two guards play terrible football games. They're going to have a, a right tackle that struggles. Um DeMarco Hellams is going to have a terrible game. Henry Toto is going to have a terrible game. Uh, interior defensive line is not going to be able to make plays. Will Anderson is not going to be able to make plays. 
Um, our secondary and linebackers are going to miss 10 plus tackles. Um, our offense coordinator is going to have a bad plan. You know, he's not going to adjust to what the defense does. We're going to have a good plan to start off. He's not going to adjust to what the defense does. Um, we're going to get outgained by over 100 yards total offense. We're going to give up 250 yards rushing. We're going to have 11 penalties. Does Alabama, do you think Alabama wins this football game? I mean, shoot, you could go on from there. This is the first time that people have yeah. been able to go to a big game in a swamp in two years. I mean, you know, Bryce's first game as a true freshman, like on the road. I mean, shoot, yeah, all that, all that factored in together. I mean, that's a recipe for a butt kicking for literally any other team in the country, not coached by Nick Saban. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it says a lot so, yeah. about the team that, you know, it, it, it's negative as we've been. Uh, it says a lot about, you know, what this team is made of, that they're able to, to go through that much adversity. Um, you know, that's a couple of phantom pass interference calls on Josh Jober. I think he made a good play. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit too much contact for the Swamp. And, uh, and, and you know, I think, I think Alabama got away with a couple as well. But um, I, Alabama went through a lot of adversity on the road. And thanks to that hot start, they were able to hold on. And, yeah, Florida missed an extra point. They would have put, you know, eventually put the game into overtime. And then, you know, Florida had the momentum there, I believe. And and so it, it does say a lot about the team that the offense is able to go seven for 13 on third down. They were able to complete some third and longs, you know, third and nines, third and twelves. And uh, and so we're sitting here as negative as this podcast sounds. We're, we're, you know, I'm still pretty ecstatic that after all this stuff happened because it's still week three. That's the positive thing that I look at. But the negative is that the game that Alabama can lose is in two weeks. So it ain't like you play Ole Miss week 11. You know, it ain't like I wish we I wish we could flip them with Auburn. I really do, because I think this team has some issues that you cannot fix in two weeks. And I tell you, if Lane Kiffin finds something that he likes, he will score 70 in Bryant Denny. You think it won't happen, buddy? Lane Kiffin will score until the clock hits quadruple zero. I promise you, he will not stop scoring on Nick Saban's ass. And if Bill O'Brien doesn't change this run scheme and he keeps running into the heart of the defense, Alabama's not going to be able to score with him like they did last year. Man, you know, yeah, I I can't wait to talk about all this. But – and I got got another question for you guys. Um – how good is our interior defensive line? Like, we don't have that guy there. You know, Will Anderson and Drew Sanders now, and, you know, before the season, you know, Chris Allen, all of those outside guys were getting all of the, the positive press and, you know, the accolades and, you know, preseason. All, where, where's our guy in the middle? You know, if you have a stud in the middle, that stops a lot of that, you know, running from Florida. You know what I mean? You know, you got the guy getting the press, getting a push up the middle. You know, that frees up your defensive line, your defensive ends more. Wh- who is that guy for us? Because he's being ineffective right now. You know, well, I mean, we don't that, have a we don't have a push up the middle. Then you know, there's a problem with defensive line too. Florida put a hat on a hat, man. We had three down defensive linemen. They split a running back to the far side of the field that only left Toa Toa in the middle. Man, it was it's it was four on five, and they're running and they're running quarterback draws and I mean they just spread the field out on so well with a mobile quarterback that's tough to do. I I mean 
if the linebackers aren't there to make plays in the gap, man, you're always going to be in trouble because our defense is built on, you know, kind of taking up space for the on the offensive line and, and your linebackers coming up to make plays. I thought DJ Dell played a really bad game. I thought Byron Young got pushed around a little bit, but he also had some electric plays, blew up some plays like he did the week prior. Um, I didn't see enough Mathis for me. Maybe he's not in shape. Maybe it's such a long game. You really got down to the depth. Tim Smith comes out, jumps off sides. I mean, uh, you know, a guy like Tim Smith who wants to get on the field and play more, well, you jump off sides in the first quarter in the swamp and it goes down at least to a field goal. I mean, it, it's tough to keep giving guys like that chances. So I thought it was a good game plan for Dan Mullen. He made the adjustments to our defenses and, Alabama's just going to have to saddle up and get ready for Ole Miss. You know, the Southern Miss game is is a joke, but yeah. they're going to have to get ready. <clears throat> I mean, you, you had eight penalties against Miami. You had nine against Mercer. You have 11 against Florida. That's going in the wrong direction. Uh, it, that's a big, big problem for Alabama. And, uh, you know, you keep hearing Nick Saban say, this is stuff that we can fix. Well, you, you might want to fix it. Um, because yeah, that that game in two weeks. That's and Ole Miss has this week off. Uh, they're so they're prepping for your ass, and you know we all know how Nick Saban is. He's not going to look past anybody, so he's going to prepare. He's preparing right now, probably as we record for Southern Miss, like it's the national championship, and that's all fine and dandy, buddy. I get it, but I promise you, if you win the game ten to seven, ain't nobody going to be mad at you. Uh, you know, you, you might want to start taking some looks at what no, at what Lane Kiffin's bringing into your house because that is the most prolific offense in the country, and it is wide ass open. And he had sixty one damn points with eight minutes to go in the third quarter against Tulane, a game that there was a fourteen point spread in, and a lot of people were taking Tulane because of their offense. I mean, holy shit. And he let off the gas. He was running the ball three times a punt. I promise you, he will not do that to Alabama. If you think he, if you think he, he went from saving for three years with a no, because if, if, if he's if he has a chance to be the first Nick Saban assistant to beat him, he's going to beat the shit out of him. And if Alabama doesn't fix the glaring holes on defense, then you're going to see the same offense again. But you're going to have a quarterback that puts the ball on the money. And, you know, those pass interference calls that Emory Jones got, they're going to be 75-yard touchdowns with Matt Corral. He is a big problem. And uh, and so if you don't fix it now, you keep saying you can fix it, you rack up 10 penalties against Ole Miss and you can't cover and you can't tackle, they're going to beat you by 30 points. I mean, you can score 35, 40 points on them and you're going to lose by 30. And if you think I'm wrong, just cut on the damn tape and watch it. But anyway, we'll talk about that game later. Guys, sign up to Happy Happy Valley. Um, Auburn-Penn State, whiteout game. Auburn loses 28-20. to 20. Um, Bo Nix doesn't throw the ball in the end zone in the last play of the game. Everybody saw it happen. Uh, Bo Nix had like 21 completions for like a – he had like five yards completion. Dink and dunk Bo is what I like to call him. Uh, struggled throwing the ball downfield. I'm not going to say the same Bo Nix. As, as we've seen the last two years, because I think he, he was improved, but anything he had to throw over 15 yards, he just couldn't hit. Um, Lester, uh, just start here. Tell me um, what you thought of the atmosphere at Penn State, first of all, because that's always really cool, and um, what you saw out of Auburn or what you saw of the game period. First of all, um, it's that, you know, whiteouts at Penn State are awesome. They look uh, 
really great on TV. You can tell those guys were fired up. You know, they were ready to be there. Um, it's good to see people out and about enjoying themselves, living life. And, hey, that crowd, they were fired up. They gave Auburn a great atmosphere. It was pretty tough for them to play in. And, um, yeah, helped their team to a win. Um, I, you know, 21 divided by 37 is 56%, which is what Bo Nix's passing percentage is. And I don't see how you can lead a team to a win in major college football with those stats. It's, it's not possible. Um, if you are going to do that, um, at least do something with your feet. And Bill Bo had six carries for 29 yards. Not quite good enough ever to beat, you know, a, a decent team. Um, and I, I told you guys, you know, the key for Penn State was to get up and make them throw the ball, which is what they did, which is what they did. From from the Penn State score, seven, 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 seven points in each quarter, and Auburn was behind the entire game pretty much. So put the hands in your, you know, Bo Nix, and this is the product. 56% is not good, it's unacceptable, and it's not, you know, conducive to a winning team. Yeah, Auburn came out in the uh, in the beginning of the second half, and um, and then fumbled first play. You know, Kobe Hudson fumbled. Uh, Penn State takes it in for a touchdown, goes up twenty-one to ten. And then I did like how Auburn didn't panic. But if you look at that next drive, ten-yard run, three-yard run, um, then they had a completed pass, and then two-yard run. Then a six-yard run, and then you know another a three-yard pass, and then nine-yard run, three-yard run, four-yard run, five-yard run, two-yard run, three-yard run, six-yard run, five-yard run, six-yard run. They just pounded Penn State's ass, and, and I mean, and uh, and then all of a sudden, dude, at that point, right there. That's where a lot of people were on Auburn message boards were complaining about Gus Malzahn wins that game. Yeah, because that joker wouldn't throw it another time. He, he would not throw the ball again. You got that environment, and you just dominate a drive like that in the second half. I mean, that's demoralizing for a defense. You just pound on them like that. And then, you know, Penn State came out, and they didn't score immediately after that. And so Auburn gets the ball back 21-17. Why in the hell would you throw the ball? That's the only thing that I questioned about the play calling other than the, the dumbass play on the goal line, um, which, you know, Harson said that they had analytics and that play worked the most in practice, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I, I get all that. Um, but I, it, just, I, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, when you got a quarterback who's not known for his big game situations um, – Anyway, I, I just that that was really confusing to me when I saw that drive that Auburn did coming out of the second half after they fumbled and gave up a touchdown. I mean, you're down 21 to 10. You don't panic. Um, you stay poised and you don't uh, get pass happy. You um you you control the line of scrimmage for that whole drive. I don't know why you threw it the rest of the time. And uh, but they did, J Law, and uh, you know we talked about these are pretty two evenly matched teams and uh. On a neutral field, Auburn probably wins the game. I think you said that before the game anyway. Um, but, you know, Sean Clifford played the game of his life. He was like 29 out of 33. 
But uh, uh, Penn State comes away with the win in Happy Valley. Tell me what you tell me your thoughts on this game, and and uh, tell me where you think Auburn goes from here. Where they go from here, uh, you look at the schedule and you tell me what you think because yeah, you've got LSU, Arkansas is good. Yeah, LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, A and M, Georgia, and Alabama. Was that one, two, three, four, five, six games? That are they going to be the games in question, so to speak? Uh, LSU on the road, A and M on the road, Georgia and Alabama Arky on the road. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And then Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama are home. So you got three road games, three home games. Georgia and Alabama are going to beat you. I'm going to. I, I know they're at home, but unless there's some serious injury issues at one of those schools, I think that Georgia and Alabama both beat Auburn. Um, at LSU, I think they can pull that out. I really do. I just haven't seen it from LSU against a big-time team. They've only played one. They got embarrassed by them. But, you know, in Baton Rouge, crazy things happen. Uh, I don't see them beating Ole Miss right now. And Texas A&M on the road, very tough. Yeah, all those are toss-ups. I won't say toss-ups. All those are losses or toss-ups, right, at this point. Um, you just look at Bo Nix's struggles, man. And, yeah, the QBR is horrible at 70.1, but it was when it mattered what happened. And it was another Bo Nix on the road, 185 yards, five-yard average. I mean, 21 for 37, just over 50%. Um, it wasn't a performance that inspired you. And and it was, it was I think it was a lot of the throws that you looked at from Bo, like it wasn't close. It, he has that. He's always had it. Like, he'll make a play with his legs. He'll take a hit, but then he'll throw one. And you're saying, Bo, where is that? You got to remember, there's a pick six that is dropped. I mean, it is a pick six dropped before halftime. Then Penn State's quarterback gets drilled and throws a pick when they're going to go kick a field goal. A pick that was dropped at the very end of the game. I mean, Bo Nix stat line, and everybody's saying Bo Nix did enough to win this game. And this is not a shot at Bo Nix. He's just never been a good road quarterback. He's now four and six in uh, true road games, and this was a super tough place to play. So where does Auburn turn? Um, it doesn't get any easier. Tank Bigsby, they're going to run. They're going to have to run this guy to the ground. Um, officiating to me, if this is a Pac-12 crew, Penn State probably wins this game by 17. Um, they made him punt on third down. They completely whiffed on an intentional grounding call from Bo Nix when he was a yard and a half from being outside of the pocket off the off the hip of the left tackle. They, I've never seen an intentional grounding called where a quarterback and a wide receiver aren't on the same page, which led to them punting on third down. All targetings are stupid. I I, I hate the rule overall, but it was a it, he targeted it. He dropped his shoulder into the head or neck area of a player, and that's going to get you ejected. Um, I don't think that really changed the course of this ball game. And uh, I think Brian Harson kind of made a couple of boneheaded calls. He he made a he made a mid-major call in a Power Five game. You got to realize Boise has better players than everybody they play. They do. They are the pride of non-Power Five football west of the Mississippi. They are the best. If you are on that side of the country and you're not good enough to go to um, USC, UCLA, dude, you go to Boise. That's where you go. So he he made some calls like he had better athletes than Penn State, and quite frankly, he didn't. I thought the talent level was similar, and I, I think a lot of people were sleeping on um, Penn State's receivers, dude. And Dotson had a heck of a game. 
And their quarterback was lights out, 28 of 32, 280, QBR of round 90. Um, he about played a perfect game. That's what it took against that Auburn defense. But it's going to be tough for them to put together, to me, eight wins for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the defense, it's, it's obvious that they have some holes. And uh, Penn State, you know, it, it exposed them a little bit. Um, you know, they, they racked up almost 400 yards of offense, 390 on offense and, you know, didn't really do a lot of damage on the ground, only ran for 84 yards. Um, they thought they could have some, some success in the passing game, and, and they did. And uh, But, yeah, you know, to, to all the Auburn fans out there bitching about the refs, and, and, and I mean, dude, y'all just – it's so one-sided listening to them complain about the referees when – J-Law just mentioned it to you. I mean, do Penn State punt it on third down? You know how crazy that is? With all this technology and everything that's reviewed, was there not somebody upstairs that was like, hey, guys, hold up. Hold up here. Hold up. I mean, Penn's, or uh, James Franklin's losing his mind down there. And the ref's like, no, no, it's fourth down. It's fourth down. Just, you know, we're going to go with whatever the ball marker guy says. You know, uh, was there nobody upstairs like, hey, guys, hold up. Like, they've only run, you know, two plays. And one of them was a loss of dance, so it should have been third down. And and you know, the fumble recovery that uh, that was over that was overturned because the receiver was down that Penn State had. I mean, that was a, a momentum killing play because you know not only did your safety and your whole defense basically run fifty yards to the end zone, sprint fifty yards to the end zone. That's like running two or three plays in itself and celebrating. You got to come back and you got to refocus and everything. That's very tough. Um, J Law mentioned the pick six it hits the dude in the chest. Uh, right before halftime, they would have made it, whatever, 21 to 10 at halftime. And uh, then with a touchdown to start of the second half, that game would have been 28 to 10. That would have been game over. It would have been night-night. That, that game would have been history. Um, and so there was, a, yeah, the, the intentional or the uh, intentional grounding that was not called when Bo Nix was in the tackle box. There was a lot of stuff that did not go Penn State's way. And usually – you know, in a home football game, that kind of atmosphere, you don't get that. Look at the Alabama game. There wasn't too much that went Alabama's way. Um, maybe they got away with a couple of pass interference calls. <clears throat> um, but uh, uh, other than that, there wasn't really too much that went Alabama's way down there in the swamp. It was the opposite for Auburn. There was a lot that went down there. They went their way um, up there in Happy Valley. And uh, so I still think Auburn I, – I, really I really think they're evenly matched. I really do. Uh, I mean, I think if they played on a neutral site game, you might have a 31-31 type game. Would not be surprised. But, um, you know, Lester, Auburn, 2-1. and one. They get like Georgia Southern and Georgia State this weekend. I, I don't know. Then they got to go to Baton Rouge, and then they got a, pretty much a gauntlet. Uh, so, so, Lester, what's your predictions for, uh, for Auburn the rest of the season? I, I think they got a tough stretch. Um, you know, Anything that happened in Baton Rouge, clearly. Um, I think they – it looks like, what, their quarterback had five tutties, uh last week. So, you know, maybe all, LSU's offense is getting, is getting things turned around. Uh, once again, going to be another hostile environment for Bo Nix. Um, that game might be a toss-up. But like you said, Ole Miss, um, Bama, Georgia, those are certified L's. And, you know, if that same Arkansas team that came out to play Texas – uh, plays Auburn, I believe that's the L2 because uh, they're going to run the ball down your throws. It's going to be death by a thousand cuts. And, yeah, I just I, – I don't 
they have to improve in certain areas. Like Bo Nix has to get better. The offense has to get more fluidity. Like I said, you can't win completing 56% of your pass. And if you do, you better throw for 400 yards. You know, there better be some game breakers in there. So, you know, Harson, Bo, you know, the offense has their work cut out for them against some of these high-powered offenses that they may come up against. Auburn's biggest problem is Alabama's biggest problem, and they, and they can't block. They they cannot protect Bo Nix. They're just like Alabama hasn't been able to protect Bryce Young. They're not great at pass blocking. I, I mean, they, they, Tank Bigsby, he's a certified dog. He is a top three running back in college football. He's a walking 100-yard machine. I mean, you can give him the ball and up. He's going to find his way to 100 yards. It's just how good he is, foot in the dirt. They can't protect Bo Nix. He can't stay in the pocket. Bo Nix hasn't had a clean pocket since he got there. And I thought the defense – I, I couldn't tell that Kevin Steele wasn't calling that defense. Um, they blitzed. They played physical outside. They hit receivers. They didn't look for the ball, and the pass interference flag came. Um, it looks like more of the same. Um, somebody texted me, Melton Tom Malzahn is the new head coach at Auburn. I don't necessarily know if that's true or false. Proof is going to be in the pudding later on, but it looked identical to what we've seen from Auburn for the last two years. Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, maybe this is just one game. We'll see how they bounce back. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> I said before with the uh, the recruiting class that Auburn is putting together right now, not saying it won't change, but with the recruiting class that Auburn's putting together right now, they're like 12th in the SEC or whatever, they're not bringing in any, any good players. And uh, so I told y'all before, I think this is probably the, the most talented roster that Brian Harson will have um, at least for the next couple of years. You know, he's starting five offensive linemen. You got Tank, you got – a third-year starter at quarterback. Think about how rare that is in college. A third-year starter at quarterback. That's so rare um, in college football nowadays uh, with the transfer rule and, and all this stuff. I mean, basically, you got to come in and start as a freshman. You just don't see it very often. And, um, you know, I, I know the receivers don't have any experience, but defensively, I mean, your middle your, your middle linebackers is probably their last year. Popo will probably um, leave for the pros. McLean's a senior. You know, Pritchett may go pro. You got Smote that's going to be gone. Um, who else? I don't think Derek Hall is good enough to go pro. But, I mean, you, you, you're, you're – Darius Knighton has one more year after this. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, Donovan Kaufman, the bandy transfer, is only like a sophomore. So, he'll be there for a while. But, uh, yeah, you're going to lose six, seven guys off of this defense next year. And so, this is the time for Auburn to win. And if you can win – and you can show everybody that you can go nine and three, then it helps your recruiting. Nobody wants to go to a losing program. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm saying eight and four, seven and five is a losing program because it's not, but it's the reason Gus Malzahn was fired because the standard at Auburn is higher. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if Gus Malzahn wins this game or not. I, I do know that he, uh, that he runs the damn ball down Penn State's throat and then anything happens, you know, but, um, Anyway, I, I, this is this is Harson's probably his best chance at a nine-win season. After this, once he loses all the all the seniors up front, the the leadership on defense, and has to replace those with these players he's bringing in that are ranked five hundredth overall, it, the future is not bright for Auburn right now. And so it's, it's basically win now. We're not going to win at all. It's a really bad year for for Auburn. 
because Ole Miss is very good and um, Arkansas has really picked it up. I mean, you could chalk up some wins a couple of years ago. And those are wins that Gus Malzahn got almost his entire tenure there. This year, those aren't gimmies. So I, it's just a tough year for Auburn for those other teams to be good while Brian Horst is trying to put in what he's doing. And uh, and they're about to lose all their talent, and Ole Miss and Arkansas aren't. Man, it's, there's going to be one through five in the SEC West is a freaking gauntlet. And um, at, somebody's got to finish seventh. Somebody's going to finish first, and there's a lot of teams kind of packed in the middle that feel kind of even. Lester, I, I'm I, I'm about done ranting. Is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I'm good. Uh, yeah. Um, credit to Ohio State and Lane Kiffin and Oklahoma. Yeah. You know these teams that are, that are notorious for putting up 80 on inferior opponents. And getting their backups, you know, legit time to, you know, go out, be excited to play the game and score some touchdowns. Um, this is something I've ranted about Nick Saban for a long time. I think that he should do it. Um, screw the other teams. Screw their families. Uh, life isn't fair. Alabama's <laughs> the best team in the nation. And if you get beat by 100, that's what the game is. You know what? Because it's, it's garbage that Bryce Young comes in and plays Miami. And this is his first chance to throw the ball legitimately legitimately like a lot in an actual game experience that is garbage and there's no reason for that i hate it we we all hate it when we're up 40 and here we go running the ball 50 times a game to end the game makes no sense you know what if you start scoring 80 on these people and when you bring in the twos and threes they come in they know they can actually go out and score the ball you know that offense line they're going to do they're going to go out. They're going to try to put some good stuff on film, try to get some praise from somebody. And they're going to go out and try to kick some ass because they're going to be excited to play the game of football. Not something, oh, let me just block the guy in front of me so we can get these three yards, get a couple first downs so we can melt the clock. No, all that crap ends when you go out there, you tell your guys, when you play on the field, you get out there, you go out there and score the ball. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Kiffin did it last week. Screw these little teams. They're going to take their million dollars, million and a half, take the ass whipping, give us something to put on film for the twos and threes, and let's roll with it. End of discussion. No hurt feelings. It is what it is. So you're That's saying it. you're saying as far as this week goes, you know, against Ole Miss, we don't need to we don't need to coddle them. We don't, we don't need to cater to them. You know, did, did you mean, say did you say screw it, their families? <laughs> Yeah, because and I say that because Saban, Saban, somebody mentioned that to him in a press conference. He's like, he "Hey, said why that, do you, yeah, they have." He they said, have "Well, those guys have families too." So? Well, shit, man. Like, I, sorry. I mean, is there I, is, is I their family's fault for sending them to Southern Miss? I mean, go somewhere better. Like, why don't you have a better? I yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know because because now that affects next year. You know what I mean? You know, you got a new offense line, a new quarterback, you know, new – the whole offense is, is is brand new. And how much time and real game experience do these guys have together? You know what I mean? Yeah. This this season of work could have been built upon legitimately last year during the season. Not, not in spring practice, not over the summer, legitimately in legit game time last season. So Lester, that's, Lester's 100% correct. Alabama had a 30 point lead in like seven ball games last year. And Bryce Young threw what, 22 passes? I mean, facts. That, 
that's got to change. My closing thoughts, if you if your expectations for the 2021 team are based off the 2020 team, I can go ahead and tell you, you are going to be disappointed. You had a generational offense with generational offensive line, a generational quarterback who had a generational season, generational wide receivers, and a running back that is absolutely tearing it up in the NFL right now. If you're basing your expectations for 2021 off of 2020, just go ahead and expect to be disappointed. This year will not compare to last year, even if Alabama wins the national title this year. This year will not come close to what Alabama was able to put together last year. Tamper your expectations down. Let's appreciate a little bit of greatness. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to appreciating a win in the swamp, which is one of the toughest places to play in all college football. And I, I, I know it, we should have beat up that. Alabama should have won the game 52 to 20. I agree. But uh, let's appreciate a big-time win against a top-11 team on the road. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not panicking. I kind of am because I think that right now we played on this Saturday and, and Alabama does that, then I think on this might beat us by 30 points. But, you know, there's still two weeks away. I still have confidence. I'm just saying that if you don't get it fixed, what's going to happen? I'm not saying Alabama would not get it fixed. But if you had the same kind of run scheme, the same kind of route tree, and you play the same type of defense that you did Saturday, Lane Kiffin will beat you 75 to 35. And there's no doubt in my mind. And, I mean, like I said, if you, if you don't believe it, just turn on the tape. But, um, you know, the good thing about it is that there's no the, – the top three, four teams every year in college football are not as dominant uh, this year. You know, everybody got a, a COVID year. There's a lot of teams that are senior heavy, that are senior heavy and have, have a lot of guys that could – that would have gone as like whatever undrafted free agents or fifth, sixth round and, and came back and used that COVID year of eligibility. And, uh, you know, teams like UCLA, Oregon, um, you know, Oklahoma struggles with Nebraska and Tulane. They're, they're not a good football team. They've got some serious issues. I think Georgia still has offensive issues. I don't want to hear anything about scoring 56 on UAB and 40 on South Carolina. Give me a break. Um, their defense is solid, no doubt. Clemson, big-time offensive issues. Ohio State can't stop the run. Um, they just got gashed by Minnesota and by Oregon. And so uh, as, as bad as Alabama looked Saturday, they did get the win. They are 3-0. They are number one in the country. And, I mean, there, there's not anybody else in the country that's like, you know, they're surefire better than Alabama right now. I mean, we'll see in two weeks. I think it could possibly be Ole Miss, but we'll see. Um, but we'll talk about that game next week. We'll be breaking down Southern Miss. Um, hopefully you stay injury-free. Hopefully Nick Saban's not an idiot and plays Will Anderson. I don't give a damn if he says he can play. Do not play him. Um, we all know 31's going to try to ass out there. Uh, it's, it's, I just I have flashbacks to Tua in the Mississippi State game. He had no business playing in that game. Um, coming off the LSU loss, he did it anyway. It screwed up a playoff chance. But here we go. You'll see 31 Saturday, and it's a damn shame. You should give the kid a week off, heal him up, you know, because the season doesn't end next week. You still got a long way to go. But anyway, there's my last mini rant. I'm done. Episode 43, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law, right here. See y'all next week.